yourselves a hand. You got out of bed this morning. Come on. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hope you're wearing green. I got. I see some pinchers in the house, so uh, hopefully you're wearing green on for all of our Irish brothers and sisters who celebrate Easter Day. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for getting out of bed this morning. We celebrate getting out of bed because we realize that there are some days we don't want to get out of bed. And uh, with the weather that it was yesterday and the weather that it was this morning, today was one of those days we could just stay in bed. But you got out of bed, and we celebrate you for doing that. So thank you. Sunday of May, if you've never been water baptized um, and you want to be or you're thinking about it, go ahead and start the conversation now. Uh, you can email us at hello at refugemain.church and uh, we can start that conversation and uh, we're, we're super excited for uh, for that. And, it's, and speaking of excited, um, didn't Garen do a great job last week? I can't Garen was just a guy that uh, was just up here that looks like my brother. That's not my brother. Uh, just my brother from another mother, we always say. Um, and uh, he, I, I'll tell you what, man, that guy is a preacher. I mean, 
I'm not late. I'm going to start to get emotional, but um, he's, he just did such a good job, and I wanted to uh, say that again this week. So if you missed last week and you're going, um, I, man, now I wish I was here. Well, um, we put all of our services um, on iTunes, so you can follow along with those um, at the Refuge Main on iTunes, and you can go back and listen to that. You can also go to the Refuge website. Uh, there's a drop-down menu that has messages. You can uh, go back and listen to the service there as well. So along with today's message and every other message that's ever been recorded at the Refuge Church. Today we're beginning a new series, uh, and uh, it is called One Minute After You Die. Uh, and it's uh, it, it sounds heavy, doesn't it? Well, it, it is. It's, it's kind of a heavy topic, but don't worry. We're here to help you carry it. We're, we're going to carry it together. You're going to help me carry it as I deliver it, hopefully. And, uh, and, it's, and it's not meant to be a heavy series. It's meant to be a series that gets us closer to Jesus because that's what every series that we do here at the Refuge is designed to do, to get us one step closer to Jesus. And um, this series isn't a series to scare you. It's not a scare tactic. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I don't want to scare the hell out of anyone. I don't want to scare the hell into anyone. And uh, I did just say that. And um, I, I don't want that. I, I, but I do want to get us all closer to Jesus because that's, that's the goal. And so One Minute After You Die is the title of this series for, for the next three weeks. Uh, we'll be talking about that. If I'm going to do a good job as a pastor, as a minister, then um, I've got to be willing to talk about the difficult things. Um, death is difficult to talk about. Sin is difficult to talk about. But I will stand before God someday, and I will hold an account for what I present to you as a, as a minister of the gospel, as, as, a, as a communicator. I will answer to God for every word that I say to you, and I do not take that lightly. In fact, I take it very seriously. And because of that, I have to be willing to, to talk about some things that are unpleasant. And, uh, and death is one of those things. So I'm going to do my best to be funny, um, which those of you that have been around for a little while, you know that I can do a decent job at that sometimes, and sometimes I can not do such a good job at that. Um, but I'm going to do my best to be funny. I'm going to do my best to be polite. And uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, we can talk about dying in a way that uh, gets us closer to Jesus. The fact of the matter is, is that the percentage of those that die in the world today has not changed death rate in the world is still 100%. We will all die. We will all, all die. Um, so then, but then the question is, what happens after you die? Uh, well, that's, that's kind of the answer that we're going to um, searching for the answer this week, uh, for the next three weeks. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Also, you can follow along on the New Version Bible app.
rid him, he's taken down. That is when we die and we leave these earth, this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. And so we're going to take the tent down and we'll, we're, we're just camping right now, really. We don't like camping here, but we'll take, we're going to take the tent down. We're going to go home to a house, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We go grow weary in our present bodies. How many of you have ever been camping? Come on, I know we live in Maine, so I know you've been camping. Now, how many of you want to live in a tent for the rest of your life? Some of y'all are like crazy. I don't want to live in a tent for my whole life. I like I like my, my air conditioner in the summer. I like my heat in the winter. A tent is not designed to live in it forever. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here, that um, our bodies that we're in right now was not meant for us to live in forever, forever. So uh, it continues. So verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on earthly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. Oh, my aching back. My body is wearing out. Right? We groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not home with the Lord. So then what's the point? If we're just going to put these tents away and we're going to pack them up and we're going to go on to a house. Why aren't we just in the house right now? We continue reading in verse 8 of the same chapter. It says, yes, we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Our goal is to please him. Verse 10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. Ladies and gentlemen, our goal today, our goal tomorrow, our goal with this life is to please Jesus, period. That's why we've been given a body that will soon die and be done with, because our goal right now is to please Jesus, because, because what you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. What you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. And that's kind of the big idea for this whole series. Over the next three weeks, we're kind of going to be unpacking that. What we believe about eternity will impact how we live today. So if we live life like this body is temporary, then we will treat it like it is temporary. But that doesn't mean we don't take care of it. That means that we live like we're living for a bigger purpose, like we're living for something bigger than we are. We're living in order to please Jesus. That's why we're alive today. So we'll live with eternity in mind. And so next week, we're going to talk about the horrors of hell. 
Pastor Adam, don't you want anyone to come back next week? Yes, I do. I want you to come back next week and hear about the horrors of hell. Because that's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about it all, ladies and gentlemen. And hell is, is, a, is, is unpleasant. But hell is too hot not to talk about it. And if I love you, then I will live life like I don't want you to go there. I will save you. That'll keep you from going there. And so next week we're talking about the horrors of hell. But the following week we're going to talk about the, the wonders of heaven. Because there is good news that follows, ladies and gentlemen. There's good news that we don't have to go to hell. So oftentimes we say, well, if that pastor talks about hell, then he doesn't love me. But what does he talk about heaven after that? Because I want to offer you good news. I want to offer you the news that Jesus loves us so much that we don't have to die to go to hell. That we don't have to be separated from him. But in the meantime, we have to please, we have to live in order So today I want to give you three things just as a way of introduction. I want to give you three things that happen to our bodies after we die. Three things that happen to us after we die. Number one is our physical body dies. Take note and write that down. Our physical body will die. Physical body will die. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says that we look as to the person destined to die once after that comes the judgment. We're going to talk about judgment here in a few minutes, and hopefully as we leave today, judgment won't scare you like it did before, hopefully. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, 10 out of 10 people will die. 1 out of 1 people will die. 5 out of 5 people will die. You understand how that works? Like, I can make up that statistic all day, and I made it because I'm a pessimist, so I'm not going to, even though it sounds good, I'm a pessimist this morning. So I can play around with it. 1,000 out of 1,000 people will die. Heard the, the, the saying that uh, 95% of all statistics are made up on the spot. I heard one time that 86% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's neither here nor there. How many of you have ever heard of the Darwin Awards? Anybody? The Darwin Awards? The Darwin Awards are given to those people that die in stupid ways. The funny thing is, they never know that they win because they're dead. If you drop an iPhone in bath water, it's no big deal. All you get is this messy bill that you don't want to pay because uh, you ruined your iPhone. However, if you drop your iPhone in a bath water while it is charging and you're in the water, that's bad news. Right? That's, that's not good. That's no bueno. On December 11, 2016, in England, this guy by the name of Richard Bull at the age of 32 died when he had plugged his charger into an extension cord and rested the charger on his chest while using the phone in the bathtub. He, reser- he received severe burns on his chest, on his arms. However, it didn't matter because he had already died from heart failure. Kids, don't charge your phone in the bathtub while you're lying in the bathtub. You will die. That's funny. Come on, why aren't you guys laughing? Like, I think you guys feel so bad to laugh because this guy died. But he got a reward for it. So, it was, it was the Darwin Awards. Um, and you, 
Just as each person is destined to die once after comes the judgment, verse 28, so also Christ was also, was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly await him. Ladies and gentlemen, our physical bodies will die. Therefore, we must be prepared. And the way that we prepared is to know the Jesus that brings us to salvation so that we don't have to die. Number two, the second thing that happens to our bodies after we die is that our souls become separated from our physical bodies. Our, our souls will then separate from our physical bodies. Our physical bodies will stay behind. It's the tent. We go on to the house. We go to, in, in fact, there are some translations that call it a mansion. We go because God prepares for us a house with many rooms, the Bible says. That we can go and we can, we can be at home with him once we, our, our souls have left this tent of a body. Our physical body will stay behind. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it says, do not be afraid of those. This is Jesus talking. And he says, do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. But fear those, fear the one who can rather destroy both your soul and your body in hell. One of my favorite funerals that I've ever been to. I've been to a lot of funerals, by the way. I've, I've performed uh, quite a few. And uh, one of my favorite funerals that I've ever been to was uh, a man by the name of Aiken Zelo. Aiken Zelo was my wife's grandfather. People used to say, oh, my Aiken Zelo. He was an amazing, amazing man. He died at the age of 95 years old. He lived a full life. A godly man. My favorite funeral I've ever been to because um, we went to the graveside before we, we went to the church. And we, we buried him as a family. And we, we visited there and we cried and we mourned. And then we went to the church and we visited together as, as, as with people, family and friends. And we talked about what an amazing man 
taken what? And, and repeat story after story about just the way that he lived his life. And then afterwards, I'm sure that we went to the gym and we, we had a, a meal. It was probably a potluck. I don't really remember the meal. I remember the, the story about the meal. But here's what I want to point out is that even as I stand before you today and I talk about what an amazing man, what an amazing man is in what? He doesn't care about that. He is the most alive that he has ever been. He didn't care what we ate at his funeral meal. He didn't care who got up and said anything because he was gone. And he was the most alive that he had ever been. And he is the most alive that he has ever been. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that those that you have had to say goodbye to, that knew Jesus, that lived to please him, that had a relationship with Jesus, they've never been more alive today than they were when they were with you. And you can celebrate that. But the sad thing is, is that if they didn't know Jesus and they didn't have a relationship with him, then the, 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 the Bible is clear on where they are. And you can't do anything about that now, but you can do something about yourself. You can only answer for yourself. The reason that Achan is the most alive today than he ever was is because of what Jesus told Martha in John chapter 11, verse 25. What happens is there's this man by the name of Lazarus that has died. He is a friend of Jesus. He, is, he, is, he has a, two sisters, Martha and Mary, and, and Jesus is with, is with Martha, and he says this. He says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying, everyone who lives believe, who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. That is good news, ladies and gentlemen. What happens to the body immediately after it dies, the Bible is unclear on what happens exactly immediately after it dies. We know what happens to the body after it dies, with mortis testing and, and all that nasty stuff. But we don't know what happens to the soul after the body after the after we die. But we do know that the Bible says to be absent from our bodies is to be present with the Lord. When Jesus was on the cross, he he hung between two other crosses. On both sides were criminals that were that were thieves that were that were being crucified for what they had done. They were in desperate need of the very thing that Jesus hung in between them to give them. They were in desperate need of forgiveness. They were in desperate need of grace. And one of the thieves, one of them, knew that the man that was that was in the middle was offering him, was doing something for him, that he was he was dying completely innocent. But he was dying to offer him something that he knew he needed. And he looked to Jesus while they're hanging on the cross and he says, Jesus, remember me today when you're in your kingdom. Remember me today when, when you get to your kingdom. He believed. The other one didn't. And Jesus looked at him and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Where is paradise? Even though we don't, we don't know where heaven is. But we know that it is there because of what the Bible says. 
and it's not clear, but we, I, I want to point your attention to Philippians chapter 1 and listen to what the Apostle Paul had to say about, about heaven. Because it's, it, it's, a, it's just such a great word. For fully, this is chapter 1, verse 20 through 24. For I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and for dying is even better. But if I live, I cannot do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Paul is is in this this conundrum, this this dilemma. He he wants to 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 go and to be with Jesus. He wants to be in heaven. He wants to be in paradise. But on the other side, he wants to stay and help the people so that the people can know Jesus better. Ladies and gentlemen, I I stand before you and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I know exactly how Paul feels here. Because I would love to be with Jesus, but I have got work to do. And that is to get people closer to Jesus so that they can experience paradise. Number three, the third thing that happens to our bodies after we die is we will all face judgment. We will all face judgment. Again, I don't want to scare anyone today. That's not my goal. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17 says, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. I love that. God doesn't have any favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during the time here as temporary residents. Or as campers, as I would like to be. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Therefore, we have to live like we're not going to be here forever. There are two reasons that that people are judged, believe it or not. Think about it for a minute. I'm going to give you a, a second, and I'm going to tell you the two different reasons that people are judged. Number one, the first way that people are judged that is probably the most common or the one that all of you are thinking of right now is when you stand before a judge and say, you've done something wrong. You go to a, a circuit court, you go to um, a, the judicial branch. Um, it's, that's, that's why you go and you're judged for something you've done. And then the judge determines if you become, if you're separated from society and put into jail, or if, if you're fined or if you're, you're punished and that sort of thing because of something you've done. The second reason that someone is judged is based on their performance. So, like, like those of you that are um, any dance moms in the house, your daughter does dance, or uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, someone is um, maybe you're a basketball player and you like to watch the NBA dunk contest, or they, they they go before a panel of judges and they're judged based on their performance. Two different types of, of judgment. 
The, the Bible is the exact same way. There are two different types of judgment in the Bible. The first type of judgment, John the Revelator writes about in the book of Revelation, and it's, it's called the, the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. These, this is for those people that do not believe in Jesus. Those that have never put their trust in Jesus. It says in, in Revelation 20, verse 11 and 12, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, and the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. Now the word judge that's in this in this uh, verse uses the, the original language, and I don't like to get into original language because I don't like to sound smarter than I am because I'm, I'm not smart enough to really understand the ins and the outs of the original language, but it's really important here. And the word that is used for judgment here is the word krino. It's, it's the Greek word krino, which, which means to be separated. Separated. Yeah, we can be separated, right? So to be separated, that's what the word krino means. But I have amazing news for you, ladies and gentlemen. The amazing news is that you don't have to be separated at judgment. Right? You don't have to be separated at judgment because of what Jesus has done, who is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, so that when you stand before God on judgment day, he says, welcome, well done, my good and faithful servant, and he doesn't have to separate you. However, it requires that we live a separated life here on this earth, right? So we have to stand out for the way that we live for Jesus. That's why we do what we do, because we want to please him. And when we live to please him, we stand out and we're separated from the world that we're around today because of everything that he has done. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't think it should be a question on if you live for him or not. Man. I just, I just, I look at, at Christians and I look at people and I'm going, why aren't you living for Jesus? After all that he has done for us. Why aren't you living for Jesus? Why aren't you serving him? Why aren't you connected to a body of Christ that Jesus loved so much that he died for? Why aren't you shouting from the rooftops of all that God has done for you? You, you can sing about it. What are you doing? Because after the great, the, I always want to say the great white throne. You see, what we do on this planet does not save us. The works that we do for Jesus, being connected to a church, serving Jesus, those things do not save us. We're saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves so that we can't boast about what we have done. We can only boast for what Jesus has done in our lives. 
So it's not about what we do. However, what we do matters. What we do matters. It's like this. It's like um, my wife and I, think, of, think about my relationship with Tanya. If Tanya and I um, lived in separate houses and we didn't really see each other much, would you think that we're married? Probably not. If I didn't talk to her, would you think that we were married? Probably not. If I didn't serve her this morning, I got her a cup of coffee because every morning I make the coffee and I give her a cup of coffee because I love her, because I serve her, because I am in love with that woman. It's the exact same way when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. When you love him, you truly for him. When you love him, you serve him. When you love him, you want to do everything you can to make your own better. There are things in my brain that I still learn to improve. I'm like, I'm watching my business most of the time. Look at your wife. If you're next to your wife, you better make it out like that. things that we do matter, which is why the second throne that we will go before is known as the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, for we must all stand before Christ and be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good. We receive what we've done for the good. We'll also receive what we've done for the evil. We have done in this earthly body. The word here for judgment is, is the Greek word vema, V-E-M-A, vema. And that word, that word is, is the very word that is used to describe the judge at the Greek Olympics. So, so when, when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's talking about that you will be judged before Christ, he, they, they aren't thinking that they're going to go before a judge at, at, at a circuit court and they're going to be sent to jail or not to jail. What they're thinking about is they're going to be judged based on their performance and how well they ran the race. You see, we will be judged for how well we ran the race. And when we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, Christ has already won the victory. He has already ran the race for us. And because of that, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will be seen as victorious, but we will be seen at how well we, we ran. I want to stand before God and I want him to say, Adam, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did everything that I had for you. So we will stand, and, and this is for the believer. This is for the person that has put their faith in Jesus. And so what are some things that we'll be judged for as believers in Jesus? We'll be judged for the way that we treat people. Jesus said, what you did to the least of these. When I was thirsty, you gave me water to drink. How you treat the widows and the orphans and the homeless, that matters, ladies and gentlemen. How you treat those that are down and out, it matters. We will also be judged for the way that we speak, the words that we say. And those of you that just said a bad word in your head, you're in trouble. Judge 
judged by how we endure suffering. We will be rewarded for making it to the end. We will be rewarded or judged by what we do by what we do with what we have according to the book. By how well we steward the gifts that God has given us, what are we judged for? We will be rewarded for those that we have introduced to Jesus along the way. We will be judged and rewarded by the way that we serve him, by the way that we were stewards of our time. I don't tell you any of that to scare you, but I do this to, to tell you that your view of eternity will determine how you live today. And if you live, if, if you believe that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you, that you trusted him, and that you're going to heaven today, then it is my desire, it is my prayer that you would live in such a way that you stand before him on the judgment seat of Christ, and you stand before him, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you have lived life like you believed in eternity. You've lived life like you believed that you were going to live with me for the rest of it. Ladies and gentlemen, every morning I get up, I sit down at my dining room table with, with, with my Bible open. Because I know, I know that I have to attach myself to God. But I'm afraid that over my life, I used to believe that the longer I lived for Jesus, the easier it would get. But unfortunately, what I've learned is that the longer I live on this earth, the easier it is to attach to it. And because I've, I've learned that I have to detach myself from the world, and I have to attach to, to myself to God, then I have to do everything I can, including getting into God's Word every day so that I would attach myself to Him, so that I would detach myself from the world, and I would fall in love with the God that I will spend eternity with, show others what you think about eternity. What you think about eternity will determine how you live today. So, I will choose. I will choose to fix my eyes on things that will live forever. I will fix my eyes on Jesus. I will fix my eyes on my soul. And I will fix my eyes on you. Because ladies and gentlemen, our souls will live forever. And how we live today shows others what we think about eternity. Do me a favor, stand to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a heavy topic. I will do everything I can for my soul so that people will see that I believe that I will live with God someday.
say today about a lot of things that people don't necessarily agree with. I just, you know, Adam, that's just where I can't really agree with the Bible. I get it. We don't want to think about eternity. But you know, and I, I, I hate this cliche. I'm going to say it anyway because it's, it's too important. And that is that if you choose not to believe what the Bible says about eternity, then you have to count the cost and what, it, what it's going to cost you. Are you willing to put your eternity, if, it, if, it, if we do live, if we do live forever, are you willing to put your eternity on the belief that the Bible is wrong? Because if what I have said today is true, and you choose not to believe it, then the good news that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you, it's not for you. It's not good news. The Apostle Paul wrote about that. He said, if, if we don't have the, the resurrection of Jesus, then we have nothing. But because Jesus loved us so much that he died for us and three days later came back from the dead, arose to give us life so that we could live with him forever, that is good news, ladies and gentlemen. And I will do everything that I can to point you to him. And if I have to do anything to convince you that the Bible is true, I will do whatever I can to do it. I will live it. I will love it. And I will love you. To the point of, you're like, all right, all right, Adam, I, you got me. I will trust in Jesus. Because your soul will last forever. When I was, um, I think I've told this story here, but I believe I haven't. When I was five years old, I was actually almost five. I, I grew up in church. My dad was a youth pastor at the time. He was working a, a, a job at a, at, a, at a car salesman, as a car salesman. And I remember going to my mom one day as a, as a five-year-old, almost five-year-old. And I remember going to her and, and, and asking her questions about Jesus. Mom, did Jesus really die for you? And she, she answered every question that I had, and I told her, and I said, Mom, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to ask Jesus into my life. And she said, well, Adam, you know what, your dad will be home in 20 minutes. Let's just wait for him to get home. At five years old, I looked at my mom and I said, but mom, if I die in 20 minutes, I don't want to go to hell. And she said, get on your knees, boy, we're praying right now. And we prayed 
my Savior. And I have fallen more in love with him every day as a result of it. Ladies and gentlemen, we all have got to answer the question, what will happen to me after I die? If you have never put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know that it's not good news. But if you have, I want you to know that it's the best news ever that you can live with him in paradise. One thief went to paradise, the other one did not. How many of you would as boldly and with all the courage, how many of you would say, Pastor Adam, I, I understand what you're saying today, and I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Would you just, would you raise your hand so I can see anybody? Thank you. Anybody else? I want to trust Jesus. your hand. I want you to just pray this prayer with me. It's not the words that you say. It's the belief in your heart. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You will be welcome. Say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Today, I put all of my trust in Him. I ask Him to come into my life, to transform me and make me new so that I can live like I believe that someday Forgive me for the sins of my life by the blood that Jesus shed for me. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you give God a hand today for what he has done? Come on. Come on. We're going to sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed.